And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 283, aka Year 6, Week 33, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC and KS. And since this is your regular call-in show, uh, those numbers for you to dial are 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. So 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. So I'm just going to throw this out there and feel free to chime in. Uh, Bitcoin is dead again. Damn it. Cause it dipped again. Like we, oh no, it didn't. It didn't. It didn't skyrocket to the moon. Like what? What happened there? It's the, the worst investment ever for people who have access to uh, leverage and margin trading. So, <laughs> um, I think, and I think it's very related. The, the recent crash the last couple of days is related to uh, perfect timing with uh, the market crash uh, that happened a couple of days ago. So one of the biggest dips. Uh, in recent history, um, you're comparing it to big, the stock market crash yeah, as opposed stock, to just the yeah, general yeah. crypto crash. Okay. Yeah, stock market. So, stock market and Bitcoin are loosely correlated right now because, um, well, everybody's still uh, in, in the background valuing everything and, and using dollars. Um, and so, if you want to uh, use Robinhood, for example, uh, you can use leverage, and so a lot of people are doing that. That's the trading that's platform one... for cryptocurrency. No, Rob- Robinhood. You can use you can buy crypto or stocks. Oh, okay. So it's an app on the phone. It's very popular. It's like the it's like the new E Trade. Oh, okay. Um, so, um, basically, a whole bunch of people are gambling on stocks in this market, and it it tends to push things up uh, to unreasonable levels. Um, and and especially with Robinhood, because everybody's got access to leverage, so they can they can sp- spend more money on stocks than they have. And they, I don't know what the ratio is; maybe two to one or three to one or something like that. But um, you can take a lot more risk with Robinhood than uh, a normal uh, stock exchange. Okay, let let's take a step back a minute. You said unreasonable, uh, you know, levels, but Bitcoin was barely at twelve. Like it's you know nowhere oh, sure. near the all time high. That can't be unreasonable oh, no, no. in this day and age. No, I'm not. I'm not saying Bitcoin price is un- unreasonable. But what what I'm saying is is one of the re- reasons it, it got to twelve thousand is the same reason uh, that that Tesla got to. I don't know what is Tesla now. Oh, I have no idea. It has stock split. So yeah, just just crazy amount. They're up like you know three thousand percent this year or something like that. Um, crazy Elon. Right, and so, and and everything is was super high. You know, like it it was you know pretty amazing when when uh, Apple became a trillion dollar company, and then a few years later, it's a two trillion dollar company. Right, that seemed like a big <laughs> deal. Right, like it was a race between Apple, Amazon, and Microsoft to hit like right. one trillion, and that was like a milestone. Right, right, uh, the the highest valuation ever in in all of human history, uh, and then like you said, a few years later, doubled it. Right, like just right. overnight, just poof, done, two trillion. Right. One, that yeah. seems and, unreasonable to yeah, me. It's unreasonable, and and during a pandemic, uh, so uh, there, there's an idea: a, a rising tide lifts all boats. And so, stock market's going up. People feel rich. They take a little bit of it out, put it into Bitcoin. That goes up. They feel rich. They take it out and and, and they buy a, a cryptocurrency, a brand new one called Polkadot. And I don't I don't know what Polkadot is. Uh, it's a cryptocurrency. It just is came it really? out. I, did you? I thought you just made that up. No, no, it's it's a real thing. Oh, um, and I was talking to Ken Ken about this uh, earlier. Um, there in, in its relationship to another cryptocurrency that you know did this years ago. But uh, but anyway, Polkadot comes out and and it started with a, like a five billion dollar market cap. Like Jesus, no 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 test in the market to see if it's really worth it. No starting from the bottom up and you know working its way up through the through the intellectual uh dark web you know it just okay here it is and five billion dollars that seems unreasonable and it it, so well it you know the starting price is totally i mean made up it's just what people are trading it trading at at you know any given time um and so 
anyway, because it's new, people want to gamble on it. And because, you know, they felt rich because the stocks were up and the Bitcoin was up and the Ethereum was up. And so they take a little bit out and put it in that. Um, so anyway, it, the related one is Paycoin. So Paycoin came out years ago. And same thing. It started with like billion dollar uh, market cap. And it was like number five on the list. And it went up all the way, I think, to like number two or something at one point. And then ever since that, it's been going down. So Paycoin currently has a market cap of $24,000. So from billion dollar valuation down to $24,000. Okay. Um, That's so what I'm saying is, right, it's it's reasonable, but this Polkadot one, you know, comes out of nowhere. <laughs> Billions of dollars market cap. Like, who would buy that? Well, there's a lot of idiots out there is what I'm trying to say. So how do we um, short Polkadot? <laughs> oh, you can, you can short it. But the thing is, in the short term, um, it's very volatile. It could, you know, double and, and take people out. And the reason why is because the, the liquidity isn't there yet. And so there's not enough sellers out there to prevent it from going up if they have enough money to pump it up. Um, so yeah, it's, it came out at a perfect time when the market was at all time highs, uh, just enough to, to get, uh, some suckers to put their money into polka dot and, you know, and we can just wait, you know, the next five years and see uh, how low it goes. But um, I'm not saying that it's guaranteed. But I'm just saying there's uh, there's there's nothing. Okay, there's nothing backing any of the cryptocurrencies, right? <laughs> right. That's yeah, and that's a, that's a whole other conversation because that's <laughs> right. true for all currencies for the but, most part right now. But one thing you have with a lot of them is at least a history and a history of people believing in its value and. And a lot of people holding it. So at least if a lot of people value it, then that gives it some credibility. But with this new thing, crypto, uh, uh, polka dot, then um, why? <laughs> you know, you, you don't have any trust built into your into your uh, new coin yet. So I think it's a bad move. But um, but anyway, uh, yeah. So I was saying, crypto market loosely related, uh, correlated to the, the stock market. Stock market took a big hit. So so crypto will too. Um, and what do you I, think the strategy for new coin issuance should be? Like, how how do you build up your technology? How do you build up your uh, your coin offering uh, so that when you do hit the exchanges, it's valued accordingly? Like, is is you know, so it's not a pump and dump, right? Like, if you really believed in Polkadot, what would be an appropriate way to introduce that technology to the marketplace, if any? If you want to introduce it at five billion dollars. No, I'm just saying, you know, because that's obviously uh, overvaluated, right? Okay. But I'm saying, like, if you want to, I, it's, I, it's a difficult question, I guess. If you're trying to do this the right way, right? If you're the, you, if you're the creator of Polkadot and you, and you release it to the market, the market says it's worth five billion dollars right when it comes out, then you sell it and you go, hey, uh, it's probably not worth that. You should probably not buy it at this price. Um, maybe it's worth a hundred million max at the moment. <laughs> you know? Okay. So, Ken, jump in here then, because if the market says that's what it's worth, who are we to argue? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think it makes possible the universal basic income that MC has um, uh, devised that, that actually, I mean, if, if wealth just comes that, that quickly, then, I mean, it, it's an interesting concept that wealth can be generated in such a way and can be distributed, but I think that's a, another topic, but. Certainly. Do we call it wealth? Is it wealth? Like how to? Well, it it's clearly a transfer from one person to another. Somewhere wealth okay. is created, indeed, but it's always transferred in one way, and this is this is a way that is transferred. So okay, so forgive me then. Uh, I I you know not the trained economist, but my limited understanding of the economic topics lead me to be skeptical that. Uh, putting out a $5 billion cryptocurrency um, falls under the category of wealth creation, right? Like that's, that's never been my understanding when they say like, Oh yeah, these are the people creating wealth. It's not just, here's a new crypto, go for it. Right. Am I, am I, am I outdated with my thinking or is, is there something to what I'm saying where there's, there's gotta be a better definition for the creation of wealth than just, Here's a new crypto hit, hitting the market. 
I think it's appropriate to say that it's not the creation of wealth, but it is the transfer of wealth. Every time there's an exchange, sure, somebody's trading something to someone else of, and and both are trading something of value, and it's not necessarily an immediate value. In other words, what wealth is, but the expectation of its value, that's a service to somebody. I mean, you 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 know, if you loan something money to another person, you'd have to say, well, it in itself, the loan didn't create wealth. But it uh, uh, enhanced the receiver of the loan, uh, the, the, their ability to take an idea and create wealth out of it that will be returned at a future time as a, a return. Any investment uh, uh, can be such potential. Okay. I hear you. I just, man, I'm struggling with it, I honestly. I'm not sure what your question is, but... Um, is is creating a brand new cryptocurrency out of thin air creating wealth is the question no it's creating a a service or a token it's creating a token um, okay it, it you know same as you know chuck e cheese right and i wouldn't say that when chuck e cheese prints new new tokens that they are introducing wealth into the economy no right okay good if we're on the same page on that then i guess i'll retract my question because it seems like that's what we were saying like oh look at them you know creating wealth for people to trade with uh yeah. and i so, wasn't and that's what I, that. I, I guess i was trying to explain is that um you know polka dot may not be worth anything even though it has a five billion dollar market valuation at the moment um you know wealth is something that you have to uh, weigh over time and uh and and it's something that is determined by uh, a large number, you know, the largest number, the better. Uh, so, for example, gold is uh, worldwide uh, valued and traded, and so it has a high uh, high probability that, that the market price is is valid. Um, Polkadot is traded by very few people. Very few people have it. It hasn't been tested by the market or accepted by the market broadly yet so it's just this thing out there that people are trying to figure out you know does it have value or not um but yeah i think it's unfortunate that people are trading it as if as if it's worth billions of dollars thinking that they're going to get rich off of it and one of the reasons why is because you know the current price per token is it's only three dollars per token i can buy a whole bunch of them right um, i feel like we had a similar conversation with ripple right like yeah, same just, thing. yeah Okay. Oh, it's only twenty five cents per token. It's gonna go up, and I'm gonna be a millionaire. Well, no, you're not. Because how could it not go up? It's only twenty five cents right now. The sky's <laughs> well, the limit. Because there's billions of tokens. So when you have billions of tokens compared to uh, Bitcoin's millions of tokens, um, it's it's a it's a, a big difference in in the amount of uh, liquidity and and uh, also distribution. So m there's way more people that have Bitcoin. Then have Ripple, and that's one of the reasons why Bitcoin is has a, a larger market cap. And uh, but the people that have Ripple have a lot more Ripple between a lot fewer amount of them because there's just no. so much. No. Well, I mean, a lot fewer of them, but there's <laughs> technically there's a higher number of Ripples. That's what I'm saying. So on, on paper, it looks fewer, like they have a lot. Yeah, fewer amount of fewer amount of people, and yeah. So where does what's the prognosis from here? Is is crypto now inextricably linked with the stock market? Because for a while it seemed no, to not matter. No, it's, now... it's it's correlated at times, and and eventually Bitcoin will will break free of that. Um, but earlier this year, remember I was saying that uh, I would be surprised if if Bitcoin broke out in the middle of this, and uh, because uh, well, lots of people are losing their jobs, and I, I kept saying that you know there there should technically be downward pressure, but there was a lot of money printing, and 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 the stock market was going up, and so that's one of the reasons why Bitcoin went up. You know, every, everything goes up when there's a whole bunch of money printing. I didn't think they were going to be as successful in pushing everything to the levels they are now, uh, which I think are insane levels. But uh, you know, I'm, I was surprised, and not only was I surprised, I actually eventually believed in the the current market price being valid and i actually bought ethereum at the top which is insane because i don't even like ethereum 
But I thought, <laughs> well, it's going up. I think it, it looks like it's going to keep going up. Boom, I was wrong. So <laughs> it even fooled me, who is was a skeptic about this uh, massive rise in all, all of crypto uh, and the stocks. So... So does well, you talked about the rising tides? Does Bitcoin still carry the alts, or is it going to break free from that little mini correlation, or has it already? Because well, I kind of feel like it has, at well, least on I the think, way down. I think alts are going to uh, uh, suffer. I think alts are going to um, go down in value versus Bitcoin, and I think uh, when you know when when Bitcoin goes up, it kind of pulls all the rest with it. Um, so I think Bitcoin will go up first and then, you know, alts that are worth it will follow it. Okay. And Polkadot not on that list in your, I opinion. don't, I don't think so. And like I said, it's, it's like a casino. It's, it's, it's actually worse than that because it's manipulated and, um, and, but worse than that is that people don't understand it. Like, uh, probably one in 10 people trading crypto understand, uh, where a market cap comes from you know and it's sure. very very simple it's just amount of tokens times the current price does that mean it's 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 got uh, a price that is anywhere justified um no not really <laughs> all right anything else to add chaos nope nope all right it's not my uh field of expertise <laughs> I, there's got to be something in there like the, like that's why i asked about the money creation and the wealth there's got to be some sort of economic impact to, to all this crypto despite the fact that it's a new newer technology um moving on then uh we can do headlines and i know you were uh, uh hesitant to discuss this uh during the pre-show so we won't get into it deeply um but it would it would it behooves me to mention uh the antifa uh, killing, murder of the Trump supporter, the alt-right, the left versus right paradigm, violent yet again. Uh, I had to I had to brief you guys on it because apparently, yeah, it hadn't heard, which is kind of what the issue that I was thinking about was. Uh, so uh, a, a member of the left-wing group, Antifa, uh, spotted a right-wing, uh, gr- member of a right-wing group, uh, Patriot Prayer, and, uh, you know, with the limited video that's been made available, uh, walked up to him, put like two in the dome and then walked away, basically, uh, just killed him. And, you know, comparing that to the Kenosha shooting, uh, a few weeks ago, a lot less media coverage of what seemed to be a lot more clear cut case of premeditated murder, right? There was no scuffle. There was no, uh, argument. There was no, um, you know, trying to get away or or anything leading up to the event uh, captured in the video. Just, hey, look at that. We've got a Trump guy and poof, domed. Uh, what is interesting about it is, you know, after identifying the shooter um, and, you know, checking out what the, the what he has previously said in, in other interviews and whatnot, they went, yeah, it looks pretty clear cut. And they went to arrest him. Um, and then he got into it with the police and they killed him. So there's no, there's like zero justice, uh, on that aside from, you know, a life for a life, I guess. Um, but any, any thoughts, uh, now that, now that we've covered it on just the, the media response, uh, to left versus right violence, uh, comparatively, I'll go KS first. Cause I know MC, you didn't really want to talk about this at all. What, oh. there's, there's hypocrisy in the media? Ah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing new Same. about that. Leading up that's, to uh, an election. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you most definitely uh, see that all the time. I mean, I, I thought about it in relation to another concept. There was an article that appeared in the Star Advertiser. Actually, it was a repeat of a Bloomberg item saying hunger is killing more, will kill more people than the COVID-19. It was a headline article. But it appeared in the sec- section B, page five. It was the last item in the whole newspaper or just before the obituaries. Actually, I think it came after the obituaries. Pretty close if it's going to be killing people. <laughs> but if it's killing more people than COVID-19, you would think that it would be the headline news where it would be the front page thing because they're, they're always you know, shouting out about the, the deaths from the coronavirus. So, But you know, clearly the media has the bias in this case as well that you're portraying. 
no, no, no surprise there. The question, I suppose, is, well, so, so what does that? What do we do about it? I mean, is there anything to do about it except just be alert to it, be aware to it, be, make people, others aware to it? I, sub I suspect that most people are aware to it of, of it too. I think the problem and don't care. <laughs> right. I think that's part of it. Um, it seems to be such a politically tense environment across the board now, maybe because it's an election year, uh, maybe because because it's the most important election of our lifetime. Uh, <laughs> I've heard that every election. No, I, I got you. That's, <laughs> I, I said it with hopefully a I lot know, of jest in my voice. Yeah, I, I, I detect that from you, but I... And it, it's always said, and I, I suppose there are new young supporters of uh, Trump or Biden who actually believe that. But I think that after a while, people become rather jaded with that kind of comment. That's the problem right there, though. Every four years, there's another crop of, uh, of youngins going like, this is my time to do something about it. I'm going to get involved and I'm going to change it. Uh, and, and then after, you know, 16 you know years or so they go like no that didn't work and when, but every there's always another group they graduate a new class every year i don't know i think i think um the the levels of panic i i haven't seen um in in previous uh, elections go on so, what do you mean I, by, what, I, what are I, the levels of panic who is it coming from and what well, does that say to you enough enough to even in, in, incite riots you know, it's uh, the, the levels of, of panic uh, between, uh, well, just, you know, people, I mean, the, in their in their own heads about who, who okay. the president should be. It's it's higher than it's ever been, in my opinion. So, OK, it, maybe so is, maybe then is this the most important election of your lifetime? Well, it, it might as well be for those people who who imagine it to be, because it is psychologically affecting them, and that's why they're you know lashing out and and acting uh, all crazy and and uh, you know panic. Everything, everything is panic. I mean, it, that and it's I, I blame the media a lot for that. You know, uh, panic over the climate, panic over COVID, panic over uh, riots, pa panic over you know whatever. The, the only thing we don't have a panic over right now. Uh, which I, I think they're trying to start one with with Russia even uh, is yeah international uh, uh, p you know possible warf warfare or something like that you know well and that's kind of where I was going with it in, in in the current climate of things it seems to be so politically tense that no matter the event no matter the situation no matter the problem that arises right there's there's no consensus at all for anything and True. everything seems to be uh separated down party or political lines True. right you, you there's no common ground at this moment on any issue yeah and and i could i could blame the left uh i would at this point um because <laughs> well, you're an alt-right murderer I would, also, I would also blame trump because he's he's quite a polarizing figure i mean he says things uh, in a manner that is very, very grating on, and, and just, you know, it's like the, 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 the bully in the yard who can't help, but just keep teasing, uh, the other kids in the playground. And he, you know, he just can't help but but say things in a way that he knows is going to rile him up and he enjoys it. And, um, so that's, it's left and right that are, that are very, um, uh, antagonistic and increasingly yeah. but okay i i understand that you know trump is man child in chief but <laughs> I, and and you can blame him all you want that's that's fine but he's just one person on the left it's the entire establishment the the media the politicians the 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 schools it's it's all of them together cannot act like adults none of them can so because they don't want to disturb their political base so like with the Kenosha thing, okay, kid, obviously, I mean, maybe I'm biased here, uh, defending himself, or at least, you know, could, could have been defending himself. It, it looks Obviously, like it. but not legally, maybe. Okay, well, I don't want to get into the legal. I understand. So, you know, from what it looks like, uh, let's say there's no laws. Um, he was defending himself, in my opinion. 
it, it was you know pretty much it, most of it was on video um so why can't the left media which they dominate the media any of them say oh yeah yeah there's a good chance it was self-defense they can't say that it was he was a murderer it looked like he murdered somebody and and uh you know then i don't know i, I actually don't follow them that much i don't know what exactly the words wording they use but um but they they haven't they definitely haven't come out and disturbed their political base by telling them something they might not want to hear. Right. And I left a comment on social media with, you know, an, uh, uh, a Facebook friend, quote unquote, um, whom I know personally, who knows better than to engage with me. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the things that she posted was basically, I don't know how anyone can look at this and say, that this was self-defense. And so my comment was basically the only people who can say that are the willfully ignorant or those who have not seen the video, right? For, for someone to come out uh, and claim that, you know, murder hands down, right, is, is so biased politically, morally, whatever, you know, whatever phraseology you want to use for that, that if you were if you just wanted to take a step back and be objective, right. And be like, you know, I, I want to be able to see both sides of this issue. There is enough evidence on video where you can accept the case that it could be self-defense, right? You can say like, no, 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 you're saying self-defense. I see enough in the video to agree with you and say, yeah, I could see how a case could be made for self-defense. Now, on the other side of things, right, you also have to be able to look at the video and go like, oh, no, I can see how they think that this was straight up premeditated murder, mm -hmm. right? And that's that's why we have, you know, courts or arbitration services or adjudication services to meet out the, you know, the variables right. and the opinions so and the testimonies to figure out which is which. But you have to be able to see it from both sides. And what I'm saying is, Everything is so politicized right now that if you identify on the left, you can't even say, you can't even make it known that you might disagree and say like, no, 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 I can see how this could be, uh, could be self-defense because that is the right position to take and not the right or wrong, but right in on the, on the political spectrum. That is what the people on the right are claiming. And as someone who identifies as the left, I'm not even allowed uh, to see it that way. And I think that part is disturbing. Yeah. I have, I have a friend who, uh, identifies as a leftist and, uh, I want to give you the, the perspective on why he would say it's murder automatically. Sure. And that is because, well, he brought a gun, uh, from his perspective, uh, the gun is evil. You cannot bring evil into a situation and then somebody die and then it not be murder. Got it. It's just, it's just impossible for him to, you know, separate, uh, the gun from, uh, morality. You know, it's just, to me, it's just a tool, you know, Understood. it's just a thing. It's a inanimate object. Uh, but they want the guns to be illegal and not have any cops either. So weren't there some of the protesters <laughs> who had guns? Uh, yes, there was, there was, too? Well, but one they, of the guys they, that got shot in Kenosha was drawing a pistol while he was getting shot with a rifle. So they like guns, right? Uh, well, and they, they he don't. was a felon as well. But um, they, yeah, they, you know, my friend would have said, you know, nobody should have brought a gun because it's a volatile situation. You shouldn't bring a gun into a volatile situation. Somebody could get hurt. And they, they, they can't see it the other way of, well, of course somebody could get hurt. That's why they brought the gun. <laughs> you know? Right. And again, uh, gun gun use, gun possession, gun ownership, right? In 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 2020, right? In modern times, is another issue that is politically split right down the middle, right? You cannot yeah. be a Democrat in favor of guns. And you, now, and now you can't even be a Democrat. It's, it's I don't even think it's possible to be a Democrat right now. It's it's so hypocritical. So you you want guns to be illegal. 
Um, but you also want to get rid of police that would take the guns away from people. So okay. it's, imp it's impossible to hold those two positions. No cops and no guns. Like, who's going to take the guns away if you make them illegal? Well, you just defend yourself with the knife, right? You don't need you. you, you no, just... I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying there's a whole bunch of people with guns. They right. want to make guns illegal. Yeah. So who is going to take their guns away? No, you just you just they'll just turn them in voluntarily because it's illegal and they're law-abiding citizens. Yeah, I think people will, <laughs> on, on the left side are, yeah, sort yeah, of conveniently you. ignore the black market. I mean, they acknowledge the black market exists for drugs, but they. Well, Both like to think of it as uh, something that exists uh, for guns. So if you outlaw it, then they won't won't exist. You know, we no, should but... all have police like in England where the bobbies just uh, carry around uh, nightsticks instead of uh, guns. If well, you out if you outlaw guns in in the U.S. and then you simultaneously ban cops, uh, you know, police from existing, um, then. I would just open up a store and I would sell guns. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> yeah. they, they wouldn't be illegal because there'd be no enforcement. So it, that's what I'm saying. There's a contradiction in their own right. brain that they, they can't they can't see. It's impossible for them to see it. And there is bad bad things go away. Bad thing, and it's just like they're children. <laughs> right. And there is a documentary out there called like you know Guns and Weed, which attempts to bridge the divide. Right, because that seems to be always, you know, the the number one or number two or you know top three positions of the left versus the right. Right, the 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 people on the right don't like drugs. The people on the left don't like weed or you know or or guns. Excuse me, um, and guns and weed brings brings them together. It goes like if you <laughs> if you can just apply the same logic to 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 drugs as you do to firearms, you will know. That more freedom is the answer for those people over there. And then it tells the other side. If you can apply the same logic to guns as you apply to weed, right, then you would be in a far better position like those folks over there. Um, so it attempts to bridge the gap because those are always the hot button issues, right? If, they could, if, they, if both sides could just see that more freedom on those issues uh, led to more freedom overall for everybody, well, then the world's problems would be solved, right? at least in the United States. Right. Uh, but it's not. It's always politically divided. It's, it, you know, issues, issues like that, that that should not be a political division. Right. Maybe a moral position, maybe an ethical position. Um, you know, uh, before I made the move to New Hampshire, um, you know, I've, I heard stories of, of, you know, New Hampshire Democrats. Right. Like, yeah, they may be Democrats, but they're they're not like your Democrats. Right. There there's just something different about being here. Um, but now I'm here and I don't really pay attention to the political thing. Right. But all the people who are in favor of freedom seem to lean Republican as it stands right now. Like we cannot put a Democrat in office, you know, uh, uh, because they will institute things that are so anti-freedom, um, that we must stick with the Republicans. Well, the Republicans aren't perfect on all the issues either. Right. So now they're just picking, they're still just picking and choosing uh, the freedoms that they wish to enjoy based on their political beliefs, their moral system, their ethical system. Right. Like if, if you don't want drugs, right, then you're fine with a Republican governor uh, because he vetoes all, you know, marijuana decrim. Right. Or, or if you don't care if there's drugs or not legalized, then you're also fine. If with a Republican in office? Yeah. Yeah. Because it doesn't affect you. Right. right. It's not the issue that affects you. Um, but they're, you know, the, the people who saying like, we cannot have a Democrat are concerned about economics aspects of it because the Democrats uh, continuously try to push through uh, a sales tax or an income tax or, or more money, more government programs, right? Because that's what Democrats do. Um, also what Republicans do, but on a different level, that's what Democrats do in this case. And so we need to keep a Republican in charge to veto all of that nonsense, right? Uh, but, but you, you know, it's not different. In that respect, it's the same everywhere, right? You 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 go to where it's you know uh, democratically based. Um, you get drugs, you get gun restrictions, um, and you get financial collapse, right? So like you know, pick your poison. If you're okay, if you're okay living in squalor, but you get to smoke weed, then maybe California's for you, right? I don't know. Figure it out. Um, but it seems like you know. I guess my point is that even here, that political divide has skewed even more so 
or skewered even more so uh, because it's no longer, you know, yeah, they're just different here. They're just, you know, they, they, they might be Democrats, but man, the people up here in New England, Vermont, Maine, right? They, we, everyone loves their guns and they're never going to take that away um, until they try to do it. And then they just become like every place else. And then it becomes battle lines yet again. Fortunately, there's a lot of guns here. So taking them away will be prohibitively difficult. Um, and unlike some of those gun-free zones and, you know, Antifa-friendly areas, uh, not a lot of riots up here. Not a lot of, you know, burning of buildings and protesting in the streets because there's a lot of, well, we're going to fire back if you do that kind of a thing. Kind of an atmosphere, I guess, preventing it. MC, KS? Yeah, that's unfortunate. Which part? The, that, that it could get to that or... No, just the political situation uh, you know, across the country, and and the, the only it it comes down to choices, right? That's what libertarians love. It's, it's more choices. Yeah. And if you only have two choices, well, that really screws up the whole system, huh? <laughs> yeah. I think there's a an era of the end of the world is coming that has always been there. Um, during the Cold War, it was communism. During the uh, during the um, following the it was it was drugs it was going to bring the world down, then it was terrorism, and now it's uh, climate change, and that has morphed into coronavirus, and the world is coming to an end. Why well, and this, we cycle back constant... to communism from from some people's perspective? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. Uh, but the point uh, that I'm suggesting is that uh, there probably always has been always will be a, a panic scenario the chicken little syndrome of the, the world is falling not in my personal life my personal life it may be okay but the world is going is going to collapse and so therefore uh these things coincide i mean we've got the the coronavirus at the moment of the climate change at the point of the lockdown so you have this um sort of perfect storm uh fueled with fire from left and right that um, you know gives us this phenomena, but I, I don't think it's really that new. I think it's always been there and always been around. Well, and climate change has kind of taken a backseat to the coronavirus, right? Like, <laughs> I I haven't seen much of of Greta Thunberg uh, in a few months since you know everyone started worrying about the lockdown. So I don't know what she's got to do to get back in the news, uh, and get her face back out there. But it's true. But I've heard people talking about uh in the legislature and the the, the greens uh, saying ah oh, this is our chance um this is our chance to change the new normal you know to to a new normal where where we can permanently uh shut down all the uh, carbon generating parts of the economy and um well i mean it's it's some voices you hear from time to time but yeah it, it they, they they dovetail absolutely uh, and again, with the whole coronavirus thing, just more taking advantage, right? How how much further can this be pushed? Um, you know, to the, to the point where even the latest news, right? They they came out with the the latest statistic this week, like you know, uh, only six percent of all the cases that the CDC said were corona related, only six percent were actually coronavirus deaths. Right. All, all the other ones had some sort of primary or pre-existing condition or some sort of, of, of medical condition that uh, was exacerbated by coronavirus, not directly, you know, not directly from the coronavirus. And once again, split down the middle, but not just split down the middle, split amongst uh, libertarians. Right. Because I have libertarian people go like, look at this. The government was lying to us. Only 6% this thing reopen everything immediately. Um, and I've got the other one, uh, other libertarians going like, well, just because you had a pre-existing condition doesn't mean you weren't killed by coronavirus. Right. You wouldn't have died from heart disease if not for the added coronavirus thing. And therefore, the government numbers are justified. The government shutdown is justified. Uh, and, you know, so on and so forth for the health, for the good of the people and for the health of all. So there's a split there. I, I, what I saw it as was a distortion of of what was what coronavirus. Uh, I mean, they, what they identified as a death by coronavirus. If you had it, they assumed that then they labeled it as a death by coronavirus, whether it was that or other things or combination. You don't know. Well, I reposted that that. um thing too, uh, asserting, okay, this is, 
information and you can interpret it. But Facebook uh, decided that they fact check it and they fact checked it and and blocked it out on my on my uh, timeline saying um, it's incorrect, not true. And I thought, well, what about it was not true? The assertion was that six percent were only coronavirus; the others were a combination. It didn't. And, but they said it's not true that coronavirus only caused 6% of the people. It wasn't saying that. But the, the Facebook uh, interpreters have, have um, taken a role in, in uh, well, I mean, it's, it's their platform. I guess they, they, you know, they can do whatever they want. Um, but they, they clearly have their own bias, too, I think. Absolutely. And I, I've experienced that recently as well. I've stopped posting uh, new things, like on my personal Facebook page months ago. I think back in February I gave that up. Um, but I did come across, you know, people posting, uh, a, a few weeks ago, the, the main order for restaurants opening that face masks for front of the house waitress staffs must be worn upside down like a collar, right? Like that was, that was the report that came out, um, as, as recently as last week there, I saw, uh, Facebook had fact checked that and found it to be false. And I was like, well, that's bullshit. Because not only did I read the news articles, right, I found the order, right? I, I, I have the, you know, I, I kept the PDF of the main order. I took a screenshot of it just in case they went back and changed it. Um, <laughs> and although, although the order itself did not specifically say that, uh, that front of the house waitresses must wear, uh, face masks like a dog cone, right? They, you know, it, the words dog cone wasn't in there. It absolutely said, uh, uh, upside down like with a collar, like worn like a collar so that the face mask is aimed upwards, not downwards. Right. So if Facebook is saying like, no, 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 they didn't say you had to wear this like a dog cone. And that's the fact that they're checking. Absolutely. But if you read the context of the report and read the actual, uh, order from the governor's office of Maine, right? Uh, you know, the, the, the person wearing the dog cone might be, uh, uh, an interesting visual, right. To, to show you what they're, <laughs> what they mean, but it's absolutely in there. The face shields must be worn, uh, attached around the neck, like a collar. Those words are in there. So, so and just because it doesn't wrap around your whole head. So yeah, Facebook definitely has an agenda. Right, they their fact checkers definitely skew uh, one way politically. So again, we're talking about not even an agreement on facts at this point. The political divide is divided on what the facts are. Now, the facts should be the facts, right? And interpretation and commentary uh, of those facts are up for up for debate, and and people can form their own opinions based on the facts. But again, we've lost all common ground, uh, you know, politically, I guess, on, on all just about all issues that have just about all issues in general, because all issues become politicized and there's there's no common ground. There's no yeah. common ground on which to, to base anything. So it's yeah, always war. It's always a battle left to right all the time. But that's what I'm saying. It's to me, it's more the left's fault because, OK, Trump was one person, but then you have. And the entire establishment, including, you know, Facebook moderators that are willing to just throw out the facts because, well, they feel like it. They're, they're, they have feelings and that's why. Okay. So if, okay. So, but we, we, we can agree. We can agree because we have common ground that Trump is a problem. Right. And then what, if you're on the left, right. And you, and you want to, and you know, and you want to do this. I, I go back to this. Do it the right way. Like, <laughs> do it how the right do you, way, please? Yeah, please. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know what that looks like. But what do you do about the Trump problem? Um, well, without skewing the facts. Don't uh, don't act. Us? Don't act worse than Trump. That's my whole point. Like, it shouldn't be that hard to do. <laughs> like, don't I make just, up your own facts. Like, and, and don't go below his level. <laughs> I've I've seen that as a political meme on social media as well, right? Like the Democrats are in trouble because they've had four years to figure this out, yeah. right? But, and their best offering is we're not Trump, which is yeah. the lowest bar in political history. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and th okay, they don't know how to meme. They don't know how to take a joke. 
and they have they've had you know more than four years it's really probably been like 12 years by now well since uh, the last election well I, i'd say it goes back uh you know before obama even but it's, it's steadily got to this you know point where it's it's just the the whole they're they're so uh attached to their ideology and and trump just trolled them that trolled the brains right out of their skulls i don't think i don't think they know how to act rationally or or logically anymore it's just it's all uh whatever they think makes them feel better which is actually the opposite of feeling better because they're they're constantly in this in a fit of rage right sure can we give them some credit for being true to their ideology at least they're not wavering from it yeah i guess so um yeah, I I just I, I'm I I just <laughs> like at least in the past when when the media would lie to you and it was you know maybe the government told them what to say or whatever, uh, at, at least at least they they gave the representation of that they were they were the adults in the room, and and now it's just like it's all just so silly. <laughs> So I was listening to another podcast the other day, and I uh, this is another one of uh, Richie Rich's. I haven't really thought this through yet, um, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway, maybe just to bounce it off you guys for some ideas. Um, so the my the thought that I was having, and I'm just paraphrasing a little bit, was I like it when people talk about things that I am interested in and have a lot of knowledge of, because it gives me a baseline on how much of what else they say to believe. Does that make sense? Mike? Nope. Nope. Okay. So if you're, uh, if, if you're an expert on, you know, a specific topic, I don't know. Th- just, uh, we talked about guns and weed. Let's say you're an expert on the strains of weed, right? And you have, and you hear someone speaking and they're, you know, they're talking about, uh, the, uh, about weed and all the different strains and how to grow it and how to, you know, crossbreed and all this other and they're completely wrong on on like all aspects okay. of it, right? Then for every other topic that they comment on, right? I don't believe shit that they say because on the one area that I can verify their claims to be absolutely false, they're completely off base, right? So to pro- to, to project themselves as an expert on any other topic immediately loses credibility with me because I have a baseline of which to evaluate at least the claims they make in one area. And then I personally use that uh, to decipher how much bullshit they're, they're spewing in other areas. So if the same guy came out, you know, with the weed and said like, you know, this is how you cross speed. This is how you, you know, this is what you do to get the best, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, the best bang for the buck or whatever, the, the most leaves on the, on, on the plant. Um, and he's a hundred percent right. Right. And then he gives his commentary, you know, on some other topic, Right, like you know, ah, the best firearm to you know purchase. Since we're sticking with the guns and weeds theme, um, I may take, I may value his opinion uh, on the firearms because I, I because he, in my opinion, uh, on baseline, was an expert in this other area. So that's my thought process. Uh, is that a good way to evaluate claims from quote unquote experts or political commenters or any or or just random people in the street? Like is is you know maybe I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean do what you want to do find find your own leaders I guess but um, well like I'm not I, saying I, leaders I just I just listen to a lot of people and they talk about things that I'm interested in. Yeah, I use the term leaders loosely, but just, okay, uh, thought you know leaders and thought you you pick who you think is the experts and who you want to follow. Um, so one of the guys I follow is Tony Heller on on climate science, and he wasn't. Uh, trained in climate science exactly he did work in the field and he is an environmentalist but uh, he was an electrical engineer um, was you know one of the best in the world at uh, debugging uh, cpus which is you know you you need somebody who's uh, uh, you know very good at that job because the potential if, if you miss a bug is you know millions or tens of millions of dollars uh, and loss, and so they they have to uh, they have to be very good at uh, finding things that are are not correct. And sure. so he got into uh, the climate science uh, debate when he found things that didn't match up 
with history in the the current graphs that the government is putting out and so he's saying that you know i found a discrepancy let's see how many other discrepancies i could find and so you know he's an expert in cpus but i i trust his analysis in uh, climate science um does that mean uh he's you know abs the absolute authority in in climate science you know could does he get stuff wrong occasionally and i'd say no he does get stuff wrong occasionally okay um but uh he's I'm not also saying you have to believe him on every on every subject without question sure but sure. the fact but, that the fact yes, that it, you noticed that he was an expert on cpus that you know what he says can't be trusted uh did that lend itself yes, to you going yes. like well he's saying this on climate science maybe he's got something here yes definitely right? But if he was because bullshitting it, on CPUs, it's because, and that's that's kind of the argument about uh, getting like libertarians elected uh, in libertarian politics. Um, one one of the best pieces of advice is that uh, it shouldn't be just some random person like a, a UPS truck driver uh, running for the president of the United States, even if he's got all the right ideas. You know, there's only so much professionalism you can expect out of a UPS truck driver. Like he could be the best UPS truck driver in the world, uh, but who cares? Nobody cares. And so, and that's the thing. If, if he was uh, an expert in climate science, like one of the best in the world, that would mean something. And then, then he could run for president because, well, he's, he's, he's established himself as a professional at something instead of nothing. And uh, so, uh, yeah, same thing, same idea. Okay. KS, any thoughts on on how to trust uh, what commentators are saying or, or what positions they're taking in today's world? No, I, I I think your your process of thinking is probably unnatural to people. If they are, are good at one thing, then you tend to trust them more on other things. Yeah, and okay. you're, you're gonna and not only are they good at one thing, but you you tend to trust people who have a similar philosophical framework that you do. You know, you you say, okay, well, I, I've trusted this person on a lot of other things because they, uh, and, you know, they're compatible with my my worldview, and so you tend to, to rely on them more. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, do we have time for headlines? Yeah, we have time. Do you want to do some headlines? I got a bunch. I got way more uh, than I usually do. I'm a little bit short on time. I've got to um, help set up the lunch uh, today, so. All right. Well, if yeah. if, if you want to uh, peace out, um, you can turn off your mic and then we'll uh, read the headlines. All okay, right, we'll do Rich. some. Well, we I only got to like... hear your headlines anyway. That's, okay, that's cool. <laughs> we're, I mean, we're not at the end of the show, but we don't have like a long way to go to get there. Uh, okay. Headline: Why we need landlords. Uh, headline: Appalachian anarchism. What the voting record conceals. Uh, headline. Police raid Oakland Church, seize marijuana, magic mushrooms. Headline, the escalation of force, how to choose the appropriate response to potential violence. Oh, that would have been an interesting tie-in. Uh, headline, shoot on sight. Chicago gang forms pact to execute cops who draw weapons on suspects, says the FBI. Uh, headline, the Free Market Medical Association brings entrepreneurship to medical services. Uh, headline, after the DEA robbed her $43,000 at an airport, she joined a class action challenging the agency's cash grabs. Uh, headline, it's not just property, how looting destroys lives and low-income neighborhoods. Uh, that's kind of a long one, it looks like. And finally, headline, the seven reasons we obey authority. So there they are. Uh, MC, I'll let you pick uh, which one do you want to I like the first one. Why do we why, need landlords? Why we need landlords? Okay, here we go then. <laughs> do you want do you want to take a stab at this before I? Before I mean, before I, I I know we need landlords because they well they value property more than uh, other people do, and and that's why they 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 bring value to the table. All right, a tweet by the widely followed existential comics accounts uh, account recently made the rounds. It might be easy to dismiss, but with more than 345,000 followers, the account apparently appeals to a lot of like-minded people. The, the tweet caught my eye in large because, it, excuse me, Jesus. The tweet caught my eye in large part because of how many people liked what amounts to a very economically ignorant and naive pop quiz. So I'll read through the tweet. 
Uh, pop quiz. 100 people live on an island and there's 100 houses. What's the most efficient way to distribute them? If you said one house to each person, you are an ignorant fool who doesn't understand economics. The, ho- the answer is whatever makes the most profit for the landlords, which of course means kicking out the poorest 20 people and using those houses as vacation homes for the wealthiest three. That's what the formula <laughs> says to do, so it must be correct economics. The point of the sarcasm, of course, was to demonize any greedy people who believe in private ownership of housing. How cold-hearted you must be to support landlord ownership of housing. Don't you know how greedy landlords will just rent to the richest and leave the poor homeless? That's what the profit motive does. The only acceptable answer for any decent person, of course, would be for the housing to be distributed in a more equitable manner. Apparently, we are not supposed to think that the great inequality between the rulers granted the power to distribute such important resources like housing and those reliant on the whims of the rulers for their housing. Nevertheless, the profit motive is clearly the villain in this story, under the belief that the more equitable means of distribution is desirable. Below are three main points demonstrating the fallacies contained in this tweet. It begins at the ending. Uh, The most obvious problem with this pop quiz is that the starting point is one in which 100 houses already exist. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But houses don't just exist in the state of nature. They need to be produced using scarce resources like labor, land, lumber, sheetrock, and many others. Go ahead, KS. No, no, no. That that was exactly the point I was thinking in my mind when you you said, okay, there were the, the, the three unanswered points and and that was the first on my mind how do these houses exist in the first place the the problem just sort of started with oh there's a hundred houses <laughs> and they're all the same and uh, everybody's in one so we're going to kick out uh, people well where'd they come from <laughs> hey, well because you think like an economist uh the houses must be produced before they can be distributed the pop quiz ignore this instead just assuming that houses exist with no recognition on how they got there in the first place. Moreover, isn't it convenient that the quiz also assumes 100 houses on, a, on, on an island of 100 people? Why did the builders choose to build 100 houses? The easy answer is that there is 100 people on the island. But so what? Not everybody wants to live in a house by themselves. Suppose that the 100 people on the island consist of 20 families of four. In that case, 20 houses would have been sufficient, and the other 75 would be sitting empty. There must be some coordination process involved in communicating to the builders how many houses the island inhabitants desire. This process is also just assumed away in the pop quiz. Uh, Number two, the coordination and economic calculation problem. This leads us to the next major issue of the pop quiz, namely the ignorance of the coordination and economic calculation problem. As stated above, why would builders choose to build 100 houses? What if instead 25 or 50 would be more in line with consumer preference without a profit motive incentivizing the efficient use of scarce resources with alternative use combined with a price system based on private ownership of property? There is no way for producers to coordinate their plans to align with preferences of consumers. Prices will communicate to producers where scarce resources are most urgently demanded by consumers, while the profit motive encourages the most efficient use of resources to meet that demand. If too many houses are being built, prices will fall and incentivize producers to invest in other lines of production. If too few houses are being built, prices will be bid up and encourage more home building. That's the profit motive at work. Without this process of coordination, how are the preferences of consumers to be determined? That is among the question existential comments, uh, existential comics, excuse me, doesn't want you to ask. Even if the problem of coordinating the right number of houses to be built can be overcome, what about how to build those houses? Technologically, houses can be built with any number of materials. But without markets in the means of production, how can the homes be home builders economize on their construction? In other words, they can choose from brick, lumber, aluminum, or vinyl siding, any number of metals or PVC for plumbing, etc. Without prices in the means of production, uh, the builders might, say, choose titanium or platinum for the plumbing in the homes. This would divert those scarce materials away from more highly valued uses, such as life-saving medical devices. Society would be deprived of a far more valued use of these materials because they would be used up in the construction of the housing when cheaper and more abundant steel or iron would have been sufficient. 
it's the very efficiency of the pursuit of profit that uh, EC demonizes that helps minimize opportunity costs and therefore ensures that society is not being deprived of goods it more it more urgently needs. Uh, number three, go ahead. I, I, I this of course uh, brings to mind why don't they go to a society such as in the Soviet Union or in uh, communist China uh, under the Cultural Revolution where they said, well, uh, houses exist because the government mandates them, and how do you decide who is in it? They're all allocated by by government decree. And what was the condition of life? Horrible. Because <laughs> well, we all know that wasn't real communism, KS. Yeah, yeah sorry about Duh. that. <laughs> uh, number three, which system of distribution? All economic goods are by definition scarce and must be distributed according to some system. From his pop quiz, we can re reasonably infer that EC proposes empowering a dictator or other ruling botter to evenly distribute resources. He somehow feels that this is more fair and just than a system based on private property exchange and the profit motive. Touches on your uh, your, your your communist example there, Cass. Uh, but how is that fair? Those with relationships closest to the ruler would leverage those crony relations, while others would bribe the decision makers to get preferential treatment. One hopes that EC is not so naive as to think that granting individuals such broad powers would not corrupt them. After all, if he thinks capitalist landlords are greedy and cannot be trusted, what makes him think that the planning bureau chiefs will not also game the system for personal gain? Furthermore, as Hayek taught us, such positions of power would be sought out by the very people who desire that kind of power over others. Whether it corrupts people seeking those positions of power or people being corrupted by them, it surely won't be long before such power would be abused. Society and the economy are not so simple that there is always a perfect match between available resources and consumer needs, as in EC's overly simplistic pop quiz. The planning board would have to make decisions distributing scarce resources that favor some and leave others out. This is the perfect recipe for corruption and not more just in any sense of the word than a system of production and exchange based on private property. Conclusion. The profit motive is a more popular target of progressives and socialists, but the criticisms are often based on misunderstanding of how a market economy based on private property works. One cannot just decree an even distribution of scarce resources like housing without considering how those houses were produced in the first place. Moreover, market economies based on production and exchange of private property has proven to be the best creator of wealth and the greatest enemy of poverty the world has ever known. Efficiencies driven by profit motives are what is responsible for the massive eradication of, of poverty and astonishing improvements in our standard of living and quality of life. People like Existential Comics do us a great disservice by taking it for granted. Uh, end of the article. Any thoughts? <laughs> that, of course, is far too complicated for the, the general student's mind. The general student mind would much more easily relate to from each according to ability to each according to their need. And all of that discussion about the um, scarcity and allocation of resources, opportunity costs, the creation of wealth uh, goes completely over their head. Just, hey, I need it. Take it from the guy who's who's able. And uh, that's all that is necessary. <laughs> so let me throw out one thought that I had where I could see them coming from with this position and feel free to rebut and then we'll wrap things up. Um, we exist where we're at now, right? So this may not be the, the exact situation of, you know, the current housing market, but in a lot of places, right, where there is an abundance of housing being built and not enough wealthy people to, to take them, where homelessness is running rampant, right? That's the situation as it is. We have unfilled houses and people living on the streets, so rather than worry about how those houses came to be and what profit motive we're seeking there, uh, why not just solve the immediate problem of homelessness by letting them live in the houses that are otherwise unoccupied? Because it doesn't matter how they got there. They're there and they could be used. I think you'll find an interesting case um, in New York City. There's 200,000 empty apartment buildings because of rent control. They didn't allow landlords to cover their expenses so they abandon them and an additional 2,000 apartments being abandoned every uh, month uh, you know as Walter Williams says uh, rent control is the best way short of, of aerial bombardment rent control is the best way to demolish 
the housing of a city. And they, 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 you have the most homeless and you have the most um, uh, empty, abandoned apartments in New York City and the highest so, prices on those that remain. It's just a... So problem uh, solved. Example. Yeah, yeah. Government <laughs> takes it over, puts the homeless people in the empty apartments, and we're done. Right? Mm-hmm. Now you don't have a homeless problem and the houses are filled. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you can worry about other problems later as they come up, right? Like what economic damage does that do in the future? We can have that, you know, you can hash out that discussion. But right now, the current situation is empty houses and homelessness, and you can solve that by using what's already in existence. Uh, regardless of how it came to be, right? Because you could say, well, this will discourage landlords or, or property builders from building in the future. Uh, and you may be right. It could, but it does, mm-hmm. that, that information is, is speculation and doesn't solve the immediate crisis. Mm-hmm. All right. We'll just leave that for thought. Uh, final thoughts, uh, KS, MC? Nope. Nope. Good show. Thanks. All right, yeah. well, let's wrap it up then. That'll do it for us. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com. On Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience, t.me slash theanarchistexperience. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Thanks so much. Aloha.